Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 underway Monday edition after a big weekend across college football in the NFL. Major League Baseball, we've got our World Series. 6th and Peabody, our location with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. A lot to discuss over the next three hours. Matt Ryan has been benched in Indianapolis. P.J. Walker and Taylor Heineke, they knock off Brady and Rodgers this weekend. Ole Miss, UCLA, and Syracuse suffer their first loss. Nick Saban has his weakest moment, and it's Phillies and Astros in the World Series. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Paul, how are you doing after that thorough beatdown in a four-game sweep? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not well. I'm not well. Uh, it's been five years since the the 2017 fiasco against the Astros and there was the 2019 fiasco and they are <clears throat> as far as they've ever been from the Astros, my beloved Yankees. And uh, it's time to, <clears throat> for drastic measures to get them close. They're a regular season team, not built for the playoffs. And uh, you don't get to the world series in that fashion. They've got a lot of roster decisions to make. And I think they need to be made by somebody new. Brian Cashman's contract is up. Um, Steinbrenner family needs to make tough decisions that aren't that tough, but that are apparently tough to them. And I hope they start soon. And I, you know, I go through this depression every year if they don't, if they don't get there and if they don't win it. So there've been a lot of depressing Octobers for me. And I know nobody's crying for me because I've had a lot more success. My team's had a lot more success than most people's teams, but you know, I, I'm used to having some, some fun at this time of year and it's no fun. I got to have to have fun on behalf of my wife. I told her yesterday when I got home. After the Phillies got in, she's from Philly. I said, you know, uh, or I told her this morning because she fell asleep before the Yanks were done. I said, you've, you've watched a lot of Yankee games on my behalf. I'm all in it with you. You know, it's payback time. Simon going to be all in on the Phillies also? I don't sure. know. We hope he will be. But he, he's not one to sit down and watch, oh. watch a game very often. You force so. him. Yeah. <laughs> you make the boy watch. Yeah, I you, look forward to his kids growing up. And, uh, he's going to have to see it. You watch this. Uh, Matt Ryan benched after yesterday's loss. Uh, here in Nashville, he he's it. no longer the quarterback, uh, starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Now, he has a grade two shoulder separation, but it was made clear that the, the move was going to happen to Sam Ellinger either way, and just so happens that he's also got a bum shoulder as this all starts. But the plan is, as of today, Ellinger is the starter for the rest of the season. And from what I've read, Foles is number two, and, and Ryan is, is not dressing. Um, he was terrible yesterday at Nissan Stadium. Hutton and I were there. Uh, Titans effectively prompted him to do what he's best at, which is check the ball down and throw short. Titans give up massive plays constantly. They had one 20-yard play, a couple 14-yard plays. Mm -hmm. Everything was small, non-threatening, nowhere close to the sticks. It was, it was a pathetic showing he threw two terrible interceptions one that was returned 76 yards for a pick i will say 
He deserves a degree of sympathy. And, and, uh, and I don't like Frank Reich. I don't think Frank Reich's doing, uh, doing him doing a good job. But he also didn't do Matt Ryan any favors, and he did say this in what he said today. We didn't, we didn't deliver on our end of the bargain because he came here and we assured him we'd have a good running game and a good offensive line, and we don't have either, um, which is, is fair. I mean, the guy, they, the whole world talks like they have the best offensive line in history. They've had one good game, you know, two weeks ago against a not great Jaguars team. But, I mean, he's under constant assault. And if you've got a non-mobile old quarterback, you have to be the line they claim to be, not the line that they are. I, I, I applaud the Colts <laughs> in the way this has been uh, announced and reported on with this. It, this is not so much soft-shoeing around yeah, quarterbacks and their egos here. is, well, he's got a shoulder injury and we're going to give Ellinger a chance and hope that he comes. No. I mean, the way this is reported is, Matt Ryan is benched for the remainder of the season. Not cutting it. There's not even allowing for the chance for him to come back in at some point. Which clearly there is. But you want to back Ellinger all the way, and they're doing the right thing, like you're saying. They're they're going all the way, verbally. Now, if he stinks and Foles turns an ankle or whatever, we may not have seen the last of Matt Ryan by any means, but they're doing it the right way, like you're saying. And it's public like this because Jim Irsay made the call. Yep. That's why. I mean, it's that clear. I mean, he made the call for Ryan to be here in Indy. It's I'm been saying. a big week for Jim Irsay. Jim Irsay last week gave a ridiculously supportive quote of Matt Ryan. Because he just threw for nearly 400 yards yeah, and won the game in the fourth quarter. We talked about him in the same breath as, uh, as Peyton Manning in terms of leadership. It took one terrible game for him to flip that hard. No, a it's handful a little... of games and two losses to the Titans. I have been circling October 23rd for months. <clears throat> And it came and went, and the Titans swept the Colts for the second consecutive season. Five straight wins now. Six and out of seven. Here, here's Jim Irsay after all this talk about Carson Wentz and the Tennessee Titans. Ofer on all of it because the quarterback they replaced him with was awful. And the, the Titans out-physicaled them and out-coached them yet again. And the, Stephen Holder, who covers uh, the, the Colts. Now for ESPN. Okay. He, he sent out a tweet saying that Irsay again had another meeting last night with both Chris Ballard and Frank Wright. And that was where the decision was made. Chris about Ballard, Matt Ryan. who watched the game not far from Hutton. Yeah, that's right. right he down sits the- in the front row of the press box. Here's, here's what I'll say about uh, the Titans in the middle of, of this. It's kind of a, an ironic game yesterday because the reason the Titans are going to win the AFC South, to a, to a degree, the reason they're going to win the AFC South is because Ryan Tannehill is clearly the best quarterback still in the AFC South. And the reason the Titans are going to lose in the playoffs is Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> who clearly is not anywhere near the best quarterbacks in the AFC South. Well, it's AFC. a little bit of a, in the AFC. Yeah. It's quite a conundrum. Well, well, because he was clearly better than Matt Ryan yesterday. He didn't make big mistakes. But in both of these games, when beating the Colts, he threw for about 130 yards. He just didn't make big killer mistakes while he let Matt Ryan go make big killer mistakes. But when he gets into the playoffs, never mind... Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, he's not going to cut it against guys like Joe Burrow or or Tua or, you know, list the guys. He's just not at that level. But in the AFC South, he's superior. On a day where the Titans failed to score an offensive touchdown, and was a on better a day where they went from 31st to 32nd <laughs> in the NFL in offense because the Carolina Panthers had a big day on offense, <laughs> 
and they mm-hmm. didn't. They're they the scored, worst Carolina offense. Carolina scored 21 points. They are the Big worst day. offense in football, and they are 4-2. and two. That is a masterful job by Mike Vrabel and his defensive coaches. Offensive coaches, not great. Their roster is also pathetic. They have no playmaking options. It is Derrick Henry or bust right now. But here's the new conundrum now for the Titans, Paul. I agree with what you're saying about Ryan Tannehill versus the Colts quarterback situation. What if he has to miss a couple games with this ankle-slash-knee issue? I wouldn't and they put have it to past, go to Malik Willis. Well, I wouldn't put it past them being able to beat Houston because Houston can't stop the run, and Malik Willis and Derrick Henry could find a way. They're losing to Kansas City a week from, two weeks from last night, no matter what. And if it's only two weeks, they well, could come out that, of that one-on-one. We say that, but the one. Colts and Matt Ryan beat Kansas City <laughs> mm-hmm. also. Right. So but it, that's things a, that's can happen. A, that's a fluke win. But yeah, they'll well, be in trouble. My point is fluke wins happen. Yeah, if he's we've seen it with NFL. the Titans yeah. too. And, and if he if he's out for a couple of weeks, it'll be a struggle because I, I don't think Malik Willis fluke can handle things. Malik Willis too, couldn't by the take way, the Texans beat the Titans. Yeah, Malik Willis couldn't take a handoff on a trick play that was stupidly run yesterday. So uh, you know, I, it's a huge jump from Malik Willis against any anybody. But the fact of the matter is, like I, I still completely write the Titans off in the playoffs. But you're saying they're four and two and. The AFC is not, nowhere near what we thought it was going to be. The NFL is nowhere near what we thought it was going to be. There are not very many good teams. Kansas City's a good team. Buffalo's a great team. After that, you know, I think Cincinnati's finding its footing. But there, there's a lot of very average teams in the AFC that I think the Titans could probably beat the way they won yesterday by playing pretty careful and not making many mistakes. The Jets beat the Broncos. <clears throat> They're in trouble. The Giants go on the road. They win by stopping Jacksonville at the one-yard line. And they play great defense. They both play. win again, but the Jets win but lose Brees because Hall. Brees Hall tore his ACL That's yesterday. That's a killer injury. You've been writing, hunting about the weekly updates on Rookie of the Year candidates, and he was right at the top. And had a great game yesterday before and getting hurt. I, I, yep. I mean, Michael Carter been unstoppable. had some good games last year. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to stop functioning, but he's nowhere near as dynamic as Brees Hall has been, and he's been a, a really big part of their offense. Now, they've got a little bit of a uh, – well, the Giants definitely have a Titans feel in terms of the plug-and-play. We'll see what the Jets can do because the Jets have really been keyed by two rookies, one on each side of the ball and Sauce Gardner and Hall – well, that's a big blow. Well, now they have to. They need Zach Wilson to wake up. Yeah. They the Jets, according to NFL research, the Jets are the first team since 2011 with Tim Tebow in Denver to have consecutive games that ended in wins with less than 105 net yards passing. Yeah, that's uh, like they, they are run and they're they're getting big explosive plays in the run game. And if they pass, Brees Hall was also on the receiving end of some of this. Wilson They've got capable receivers on 74 that 74-yard touchdown to Brees Hall like three weeks ago. Like, you're right, though. They do. But it's, it's Wilson that's got to get things going, and it's been very inconsistent since he came back from injury. So I mean, that's, right. that's how they get back. It's time. They bought him rebounds. some time with this run game. Now yeah. he needs to get rolling. Although, you know. It, it's open for the Jets I also to wonder, go. I also wonder with the Jets' offensive line, if it's similar to the way the Titan scheme was set up a year ago, where you get someone off, literally off the street, a free agent, and add them into the mix, and just by your system and your identity, you can go. You can you can still run your system, maybe not as dynamic and as explosive, but you're still able to function. And and look, 
the, the one of the guys who keyed that for the Titans last year got decent money, $2 million, to go to Carolina. They trade McCaffrey, and Deontay Foreman goes off yesterday for Carolina in tandem Foreman, with Chubba Hubbard. How does he not stick with the team longer? <laughs> when he's given an opportunity, he's terrific. He, I, and, I mean, Carolina doesn't have any miraculous offensive line either. No, that, that was part of their issue this offseason. I mean, they've added some pieces, but you're right. I mean, that's... Yeah. Foreman's uh, t- terrific. I don't know how he didn't stick somewhere prior I, I, yeah. to... I mean, Arthur Smith cut him. Arthur Smith cut him in Atlanta for him to get to Tennessee last year. I don't know... It, I don't know what it what sparked all that, but last year's takeoff is now Carolina's game. Gain to what extent? I mean, they're huh. well, they're, not, they're, they're running the football well, and they're beating Tampa Bay. Tampa where Bay is a nightmare. You've Oof. got the same record, three and four, for both the Packers and the Bucks right now. On the downside, Mike Evans is dropping a wide open touchdown pass very early on. On the bright side, the officials are still asking him for his autograph after the game's wow. over. Yeah, we've got video of that later too. Bad look, unbelievable. Bad look on that one. Going back to the Titans. 2-0 now in the division, 2-0 against the Colts, who you would think is the chief competition in the AFC South. Four games left against Houston and Jacksonville. If Tannehill can't go against Houston, finding a way, just like they found a way yesterday, to eke out a win over the Texans is enormous because what you can't have happen is something unexpected against the worst two teams in this division because they are set up perfectly right now with this four-game winning streak in 2-0 and again over the Colts to win the AFC South again. Hud, you brought it up yesterday on our, our post-game show here locally in Nashville. It's not about winning the division, though, for this team. It's about doing something in the playoffs, wow. yeah. and no one's believing that's going to happen with this group. Yeah, I, I, I disagree to a degree. I think it is about winning the division because I think that's going to be the pinnacle of what they do. Um, if you get my drift. I mean, what they're going to do this year is hang a banner that says they won the division. That's going to be the top. The other thing about the Colts... No, I know. The other thing about the Colts is they're not only 0-2 against the Titans. They're 1-3-1 in the division. They have one division game left, which is just Which is the the last game of the season for them. Yeah. Because we end the season with a divisional matchup. Uh, Dallas gets back on track with Dak Prescott. Very similar fashion to uh, the, the way they were winning uh, previously with Cooper Rush. But it was, uh, again, uh, defensive performance. Paul won one of his props there with uh, I, I the Lions Detroit offense. I Detroit scoring fewer than two touchdowns. They scored no touchdowns. Their last two games, they've scored, no t- they've scored six points in two games. Was, uh, after they, le- they were leading the league in scoring, they, they were had scoring a bye week. 40 a week. They had a bye week. <laughs> it's <just> unbelievable. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, coming up, good job by Dallas. We've got uh, plenty of college football headlines. Clemson wins over Syracuse. We mentioned UCLA loses their first. Ole Miss loses at LSU. We'll recap those games. We'll take we'll take a look at the quarterback swap at Clemson and the message that Dabo was sending in that moment. And uh, we'll continue to take a glance at the top twenty-five and where the SEC stacks up. That's all. Straight ahead on Outkick three hundred and sixty. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. 
live only on Netflix. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. So, the national media loves them some Indianapolis Colts. Think about how quick everything changed. I keep reminding everyone, like, this is week seven that we just wrapped up. And now all of a sudden, like, we're, uh, it's every market. Every market has a reason, except for like five. Right. That you're either jumping off a cliff on Monday or you're making up the Panthers have a path to the number one seed in the NFC South after week eight. But people should be rooting for for their path to the number one pick. Right. But I'm saying, like, you can even talk your way into the Carolina Panthers into the playoff mix in week eight. Right. This season is muddled old. But by week eight, how, how many people have jumped off the Colts bandwagon and Matt Ryan has already been benched Think about all this. Well, they're done. And I mean, Matt, they're and, legit. And today, done. Frank Reich has a job. Yeah, I mean, I, Matt Ryan's crazy. the scapegoat now. Well, I think though, deserve, I mean, he deserves his share of it. But Frank Reich is really bad. Frank Reich yesterday on the on the pick that Matt Ryan threw a pick six, seventy six yard pick six to Andrew Adams, who's been with the Titans for about five weeks, who played safety yesterday because the Titans cleverly decided they could play their second safety, Amani Hooker, as their nickelback because their corners are so bad. Frank Reich said, part of that's on me because I was busy arguing with the official about a face mask call. And I got the call in late. I got the call in late, so Matt Ryan didn't have time to get out of the call (laughs) against a blitz, which made it a bad call. So how's that going for you, Frank, arguing that face mask? I don't know how they missed the call. It was a face mask. But, but you can't be arguing it if you're the play caller and you got to get on to give the call this to your quarterback why, so he has time to adjust at the line of scrimmage. This is why That's head, terrible head coach's coaching. play caller is He's oftentimes troublesome for reasons like this where you're you trying to CEO administer it. the game and yeah. talk to the officials and also you have to get the play call in on time. But, but that sounds terrible when he's saying Let's not take blame away that. from Matt Ryan No, here. it's a terrible throw. I mean, he threw it to Too Andrew terrible. Adams as if intended for Andrew Adams, who didn't even really break on it. He's just standing there, yeah. ready for the pass to, to get to and, him. And well, the uh, second pick was worse to David Long. Yeah, the, well, the first one is on Paris Campbell. They, yeah, who they, didn't turn. Paris Campbell never even turned to look at it. Yeah. Um, Could have helped him try to break it up. expecting him to be there. But the one to David Long was even worse, where he just has to eat it and accept that he doesn't get to convert third down where he's waiting, waiting, waiting in the pocket and then decides to force something over the middle and throws it directly to David Long, who's facing him. A linebacker in, in, a, you know, is in front of a receiver. There were two terrible picks. We'll get more into the, uh, the depths of uh, the NFL storylines game by game coming up in about 45 minutes. Right now, here is your uh, AP Top 25 headed into Week 9 for the college football season. Uh, nine teams entered last weekend unbeaten. Six teams are still perfect Ole Miss, UCLA, and Clemson, uh, they, excuse me, uh, Syracuse, they advance uh, to the loser's bracket now, if you want to look at, that, look at it that way. Clemson survives. They remain number five. So your top five, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama at six, followed by TCU and Oregon, who beats UCLA and, in effect, in my mind, helps the SEC's case for three teams in the playoff, if there is a scenario where you're trying to make a case for the other team with one loss who loses to Georgia, 
if Tennessee loses Georgia or Tennessee beats Georgia, and there's one loss in the East, and then they lose to Bama, I think Oregon helps the SEC make that case based on how they've played since we saw the beatdown against Georgia. I also promise think Clemson. LSU, Kentucky, South Carolina, if they continue playing well and could stay in the top 25, if Tennessee beats Kentucky at home on Saturday and that one loss is at Georgia the following week, then they go and beat South Carolina on the road, who should be a top 25 team at that point. Yeah, That's going to help strengthen Tennessee's case to the point of there is no possible way one loss Michigan or Ohio State would get in over them. If you combine all of those wins in their schedule, it's just one after the other after the other that's going to look far more impressive. So that's going to help. My point is the SEC right now, not just Oregon, is helping the SEC's chances of getting that third team in because of the strength of the conference. It's a pity, though, that Syracuse couldn't have pulled off that upset, which could have cleared out conceivably Clemson, who we agree is unlikely to lose anything ahead of it now. Big because Notre if Dame Clemson had lost Big Notre Dame that, fans yeah. against Clemson. If that's, Clemson that's the had chance. lost that game, you would have cleared out Clemson. One loss Clemson doesn't, isn't going to deserve a thing. But undefeated Clemson is unavoidable. They're going to get in, yeah, if they're undefeated. But they're, they're, they're a very opportunistic athletic defense. And offensively, Clemson just kind of is who they are. Uh, very sporadic. They make the quarterback chain. And then get two completions? Yeah, but they, I mean, the, whenever uh, Klubnik came in, they went on two touchdown drives, yeah, you know, that, that sealed this game when they were trailing. They win 27 21. Uh, Will Shipley's the story, though. He rushed for 172 yards. He is awesome to watch. He's fun. Um, and Clemson survives, and that's what this is about. But they go back to DJ after this. I was just watching my, on my phone, not knowing, you know, just checking the scoreboard because I was at kids' baseball, and I was so hopeful that Syracuse was going to pull it off. But, Alas, that, that no. fifty-yard run for Shipley um, that gave Clemson the lead is one of those highlight reel moments. If Clemson ends up making the playoff, that gets them Saves there. Them. And and I thought I watched quite a bit of this game early on in the early window on Saturday. Syracuse just does not have the depth, obviously, of Clemson. I thought they just wore down. Great defensive team, good scheme, but late third, mid to late third quarter, you could tell all of those runs by Clemson were really wearing. On Syracuse, and I didn't like their chances at that point. But to go to go to Cole Klubnik, and he yes completes two passes, but the offense gets going with him and not DJ under center. And then after the game, Dabo Sweeney not only says, "Oh no, DJ's our quarterback. He's still our guy. He's the guy on this team. He's going to be the starting quarterback." But then he says, "Guys, you know there are times where even Steph Curry uh, goes two for thirty-five in a game." So he's our Steph Curry, talking about DJ Uangalale. I don't see it. Uh, this offense, I mean, you, they are willing to go to a different quarterback to give them a spark offensively. That's not going to stop. We know that they're willing to do that, and they're able to do that with, with Klubnik. But it's just it's odd to me. I understand you're trying to give confidence, and Klubnik didn't exactly, you know, he didn't get much of an opportunity either, but he did what was needed. For whatever reason, the offense got going with him. It's a very weird quarterback well, quandary right now at Clemson, I think. And I thought David Held, ESPN.com, did a, a nice job covering this because for the most part, he's the only one I read with this take, and he's exactly right. There has been this crusade by Dabo Sweeney over the first seven weeks of the season to discuss how he told us all that DJU was going to be this version 
and how it was embarrassing that everyone was calling for him to be benched and how uh, that's the world we live in now. And as soon as Dabo Sweeney goes down by 10 points to Syracuse, what does he do? Benches Takes him, him out. He has the same amount of faith in him that the national media did at that point. How quick the mentality changes when they needed a spark. That's the world now, huh? That's, Dabo. That's yeah. That's the world we live in. But Dabo. also, but, in, but in, again, in, like it, it, it's two different messages. And it, David Hell pointed that out, and he's he's exactly right. That was the sentiment of Dabo Sweeney starting in week zero, week one of this season. But then I think you're just he and he's flip flopping again. He goes right. from all week, I, he's the guy, he's the guy, he's the guy, down 10, he's not the guy. Klubnik comes in, Clemson wins, okay, now maybe Klubnik's the guy. And right after that post-game press conference, no, 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 guys, Steph Curry even has a bad night every now and again. DJ's had a bad game. He is clearly our guy. If I'm Klubnik, I'm thinking, what do I need to do to get in the mix well, other than continue to bail this team out right. when I come into the game? One more time, Right. Yes. I mean, but, I, but this is uh, he had he had three turnovers. He just coughed off his, his third turnover. It was what midway through the third quarter, and they made the you know, they gave DJ the hook, and I mean rightfully so. It turns out being the right decision, um, but it also to me rings a bit hollow what we've been hearing from him over the last two months. I, I think Clemson would get beaten badly by any of the three top SEC teams right yes. now. Yeah. Because of the offensive capability of those three teams, uh, Clemson is not going to keep up in a shootout with a good football team. Just They're not going to do it. So this weekend, Tennessee met number three in the country. They have an easy layup game against UT Martin, but it did get me thinking based on results of, of what's happened recently to their two recent opponents. So they Tennessee shuts down LSU. LSU then puts up 40-plus in their two games since that matchup. Their offense is uh, Jaden Daniels. and LSU and is offense, helping Tennessee right now. They are, they are moving it. And that's even after Ole Miss opened up that 17-3 lead or, or whatever. You have a 17-3, and then they outscored them 42-3 this past week in LSU over Ole Miss. Meanwhile, Alabama, Tennessee puts up 52 against Bama, and Mississippi State scores six points. On the last play of the game. Yeah, yeah. It was that was, they, yeah. Were, they had a shutout. And Nick Saban went ballistic because they called a pass interference penalty with eight seconds left that gave them a chance to score because he wanted the shutout that badly at the end of that game. And Alabama had just 290 yards of total offense despite that score. But point being, like they, Tennessee's offense put up points. Mississippi State's known for putting up points this season. Hot and cold, grant, granted, and Tennessee's not, but put up six, and it was really a shutout. And then you have, on the opposite end, LSU, who has been awesome to begin games. Um, they're able to rebound when they're starting slow now, and that was not the case against the Vols. Yeah, in Tennessee, so they what was the, may still be, the top defense in the SEC in Alabama, they put up 52 points and a ton of yards in that game. The next two weeks, they're going to play two of the other best defenses in the conference, Kentucky at home at Georgia. We're going to find out after these two games if Tennessee's defense is just truly, completely unstoppable. Because if they continue to put up 40s and 50, they're averaging now exactly 50 points per game. 50 points and almost 600 yards of offense averaging after this weekend. The 65 spot against UT Martin helped. Little much. By the way, it was, it was 52 to 7 at halftime. Little much. Not enough. Not enough. And let me tell you why. Um, CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud stayed in the game the whole time in a 48 to 10 win. That wasn't even that close in the fourth quarter. So he is pumping up 
his Heisman stats in that game. I'm not on the hypo for taking Hooker out at halftime, but I also Tennessee scored 13 points in the second half. You need a tight end throwing They're up 52 touchdowns. to seven. You need a bomb on late. In no, the game. they need Joe Milton doing that, and he wasn't doing it. Yeah, well, they, they I they, mean they threw, they did that in the first half, Paul, and people are saying, "What? Well, why do you show that against them?" And my response was because they're going to show that look again and do something totally different. They're going to have the team thinking it's the same thing, and it's going to be a fake that way, and someone streaking wide open down the field on the backside, or they're going to do something different. How late was the off bomb? Of that. Let me also give you a little uh, something about this Tennessee UT Martin game that I know people in the know were talking about. Quarterback didn't Tennessee go threw a uh, yes. I'll get to that. Tennessee threw a bomb on the last play of the game into the end zone instead of taking a knee. Up 65-24. Jason Simpson, who's the head coach of UT Martin, his son, Ty Simpson, was one of the all-time highest-ranked recruits in the state of Tennessee. They did not give Tennessee a chance. They would not return Josh Heupel's calls, for the most part. He all but erased Tennessee from consideration when Josh Heupel got there. Do you think that stuck in the crawl of Josh Heupel and that staff a little bit? Sure. When they're playing his dad, that UT Martin? So, just something to consider. Well, that, that, that absolutely factored in. Um, I think it should also factor in about next season when Joe Milton, going back and watching some of these throws, if, I mean, I, I've, uh, Chad, I know you, you've talked about Milton playing next year. I don't want Joe Milton playing for them next year. Well, here's... If he's not doing it now, why is he going to do it next year? Here's the issue with Milton that, that I watched just in that second half. And again, I, I don't know what the call is. It could just be, we're running this ball in the third and fourth quarter, no matter what, don't check out yeah, of it. that's tough. Type thing, right? Because, the but throw. they're running into nine-man boxes and losing two yards because they can't block everyone. Hendon Hooker's not going to do that because Hendon Hooker is so intelligent, he gets them in the right play every time. I don't know if that's Hooker, um, I'm sorry, that, that's Milton's inability that's fair. to check to the right play or if he's being, being told, told by the coaches, run no matter what. we're running, we're running, we're running. Because finally when they decided, all right, we're going to throw the ball deep, Squirrel White is 30 yards behind the defense for an easy touchdown because they've got everyone in the box thinking Tennessee's running out the clock, and then they decide to pop him for a big play. He looked great on a couple throws on the touchdown drive to start the second half uh, for, for Joe Milton, but... In terms of operating the offense and getting Tennessee in the right play, light years behind um, what you see from Hendon Hooker. Makes you think of Nico. Well, just make I, I don't know. I think of anyone else because it's not you're trying to build on what they're doing, and this could be an all-time great year, like individually for Hooker and for the program. I'm just saying, like you don't want to take a huge step back next year, right? You know, it's one thing you, you may not have Martin. as magical a season, but. Let's let's get to nine and three is the floor now, right? That's what Tennessee's got to be thinking. Is this has been amazing? Let's keep this momentum going with this offense and get to where nine and three feels like the norm, or you know, a so-so season for Tennessee football. They could do that if they match what they've done this season so far with something next year that's approaching that level. Ole Miss falls from the the unbeaten's. Uh, we mentioned LSU put up. Uh, big numbers after they trailed 17 to 3 and they were outgained 200 to 80 during that time and it looked like Ole Miss was ready to take it I mean this is one of those games Chad where I thought man the, they may be one of the surprise teams across the college football landscape based on who they've played which was really no one their hardest game was Auburn at that point and and or Kentucky and thinking you know what they 
they may be as talented or more talented than last year. And then LSU cranks it up another level. They LSU dominated them at the line of scrimmage. They ran the ball 48 times in this game. And the two that's one stat. The other stat, 35 first downs. Not a lot of explosion, but... The, Moving the, the ball. You know, this is a, a first down in, the, in a conference game this year is, is massive based on how equal and even of the, the middle part of the conference is right now. And they were able just to control the line of scrimmage and eat clock and then eventually score on these long possessions. I was impressed. Brian Kelly's doing a nice job. And uh, some of it is, you know, lower expectations than what we've had for Brian Kelly and LSU ever. I mean, in recent memory. And that this is as low as it's going to be. But props. I mean, I, he, last two weeks, he's got them humming offensively. Props on this, too, because Brian Kelly, after that beatdown against Tennessee, he said, uh, we're not doing a good enough job, and I'm starting with the coaches and saying that. And he was very honest and, 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 and forthcoming by saying, what are some things we can do? I don't know, maybe a seven-man protection because we can't protect our quarterback right now. We've got some deficiencies in the offensive line. There are things we could get to quicker to help these players who are playing hard succeed. They start doing some of those things. They roll Florida in the swamp 42-3. to They outscore Ole Miss after falling behind 17-3. Jaden Daniels running was the story of this game. 23 carries, 121 yards. That's how they got the ground game going. On the Ole Miss side of things, I was not impressed with Jackson Dart in this game. 19 for 34, 283, one interception, no, no touchdowns. And he was and, not the same after that injury. Yeah, and it, it was – he just wasn't seeing it, right? Even when guys were getting in, in that zone of LSU and they could sit down for a big gain, he, it was, he was a little bit behind. He was high. He was getting rid of the ball too quickly at times. Other times he's holding on for it. Yeah. There was never a good feel – to the game, I felt like, from Jackson Dart. The other thing I want to point out is Lane Kiffin wore a T-shirt to coach in that game. That's rare. You see the head coach. That is rare. He was wearing a dry fit T-shirt with an undershirt. Uh, I, you normally see some sort of the collar dry fit or a pullover. should be fine. Uh, fine by itself. I mean, you don't need a Maybe undershirt. this ends up being the new fad where uh, the, you know, the, the NCAA basketball coaches rarely wear a suit anymore. Yeah, hardly Maybe anybody. this is what the coaches will go to now. I think um, – <laughs> Jaden Daniels, uh, th- that's the biggest thing to me about LSU, obviously, is that um, he's gotten better and they've gotten better at, at figuring out how to accentuate his strengths. With a new coach at a new program, that's what you would expect to see if the coach is good and if the coaching staff is good and they're doing well with that. you got to, like you said, give him props. Well, I mean, he, he's been electric since he was replaced, what, two games ago? Three games ago, um, and he's he's since that point he's been fantastic. So, he's, I mean, the last two games he's accounted for eleven touchdowns rushing or passing, and then they've they, offensively. I mean, they've they've got him going, but it, it's more than that because they were averaging three hundred forty-seven yards through their first three SEC games. In their last two, they've averaged five hundred fourteen. Do you see how the Ole Miss fan base was jumping on Kiffin post game on social media? Really? Yeah, they were like, oh, Lane, are you going to blame this defensive performance on the, the, our, our attendance issues now? <laughs> I mean, it was not just one or two yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, I mean look, it when, was... you, when you call out the fans, you're, you're going to get that when things aren't going well in, in, in any one game. So that doesn't surprise me. I also saw LSU football get in on the trolling of Lane Kiffin, and they retweeted Kiffin's tweet that said, uh, did you lose a bet when Brian Kelly was dancing? 
that awkward recruit dance video of Brian Kelly, yeah. where he's and, yes. and Lane Kiffin when it happened said, Brian, do you need help? Did you lose a bet? Why on earth would you ever do that? They were waiting, and then after the game went final, they retweeted Kiffin's tweet and put something about no rat poison. And then Kiffin retweeted that and said, well, you just actually kind of rat poisoned yourself by, <laughs> by talking about that. I don't think you understand what the rat poison part of it is. But he said, but congrats on a big win. We'll see you next year. I also, and Kiffin just moved on that way. You kind of I rat also poisoned look yourself. at that game and think that's, you know, for as much as it is Ole Miss not showing up after that start and whatever. I think it's also a, a indication of how competitive, not top to bottom, but the 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 heart of the conference is right now. I think it's really good, the best it's been in years. South Carolina beating Texas A and M, and you've got Kentucky. Uh, they're, they're taking care of business a week ago. They're they're beating Florida on the road. They're, Ole Miss is beating Kentucky. Tennessee beats Bama. I mean, you've got all of the... And Bama doesn't look the same either running the football again, even after the Tennessee game where the, we thought they'd run it more. They run for like 26 yards or something this this past week. I don't. I look at the conference and think, then this is this is a really competitive league for, with more teams involved than what we've seen in recent years, and no other conference can point to that. And then you have Texas A&M. Who I mean, that is the story of going the wrong direction. Well, we got the got the freshmen out there at least three and four now. And you look at the rest of their schedule; they still have games with LSU. It's going to be tough. Old Miss, I know, is coming up also next week. Uh, They're 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 in a difficult spot. They got to beat Florida, Auburn, and UMass to get bowl eligible. That that's what they're looking at right now and circling those three games as must win those games just to get to a bowl. That's the biggest development for me in the SEC this year. I've become a total A&M hater. Um, Jimbo Fisher's offense is just horrific. I, I, there's no other way to put it. This, it's, it's execution. It's players. It's entire scheme. I, I don't know what – it's like they're trying to – they're playing two different games when you look at the rest of college football offenses. He is actually playing checkers when everyone else is playing chess. And I don't get he's it. He's the richest checkers if player in history. Well, if he's, if he's committed to actually improving A&M football and not just his own ego, he's hiring an offensive coordinator to completely retool everything they do. Because he's going to be giving what the money to do What are we setting the odds on that, Hutt, that he does I think that? He's got, I mean, I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to have to. I mean, if he doesn't, then I mean, he's just – he doesn't have to do anything is the problem because of his contract. No one's going to be able to tell him anything. But if he wants them to improve and he's serious about it, there's no way he can look in the mirror and say, what I'm doing on offense is working, and we're going to keep doing it. There's no way. As fired up as he was preseason at that podium, the morning of the saving comments or morning after, there's no way the guy is just content as is. It, it, there's no way behind the scenes he's just like, you know what, the system's going to work. Because how patient can you be? Well, the, the the case in point now is Spencer Rattler was twelve of twenty five for one hundred and sixty eight yards, and South Carolina won that game. That's so you amazing. Can be efficient. It's amazing. I mean, they haven't scored more than twenty one points against an FBS team this year, and Arkansas was right before half about to go up two scores on them, and they turn it over. They get a quick score right before halftime. If not, if not for that. They're losing that game, too, to Arkansas. Very fortunate. It counts. But and also, the win over Miami now looks like absolutely nothing. Because right. Miami is terrible. Right. They're 3-4. and four. They just got housed by Duke 
at home this past weekend. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll get into Nick Saban's comments on Jermaine Burton. And uh, when we come back, Major League Baseball, the World Series is set. Later, All NFL headlines, but we've got plenty of thoughts on how the weekend played out on the diamond on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Astros, Phillies for the World Series. Game one is on Friday. Outkick 360 rolls on. You may forget that the World Series are starting by the time they actually throw first. <laughs> Does hit. baseball season still going? Yeah. I thought that was over. It is over. <laughs> thought, I thought all the hubbub was, o- was so over. So before with. we bash be more I, like me. Before we spend all week in, in the series bashing Houston, it's crazy that they had they broke down everything and they're back again. To me with who they've traded away, managerial decisions, well, whatever. Well, I mean, it's... They let uh, Correa walk, and they've got this guy, Pena, I think his name is, uh, shortstop, come up through their system. And the guy hits a three-run homer last night. He's, he's phenomenal. I don't know what they do to build. But I, I, they have no business... Nobody has any business having as good a pitching staff as they have. They don't have a lefty in their bullpen. And they're fine. That's crazy. They, 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 I mean, look, the Yankees weren't making any contact in this series. So part of it's on the Yankees that their pitching looked this good. Their pitching is unbelievable. I thought, well, you get to Saturday, you've got Garrett Cole going against their third starter. Their third starter was part of a, of a collective no-hitter against but the Yankees during the season. I'm seeing these highlights, and I'm thinking, you know, in a, in a way, it reminds me of the Patriots, where they're, they're so good they yes. don't need to cheat, but they cheat anyway. Yeah, you know? uh, it's well, kind of like that. and got caught. Yeah, I don't know Altuve, if they're still doing any of that, that uh, stuff. Altuve, they were but doing. I mean, listen, Altuve they're, they're is remarkable. one of their best Everybody players. Even with the cheating, they're yeah. remarkable. Altuve is one of their best players. He finally got a hit on on Saturday, and like yesterday, he got a hit. He beat out a, an infield thing. If you're one of your best guys doesn't hit for an entire series, you're not supposed so, to coast to a four nothing win. How did the Phillies match up with them based on what we just saw the Yankees do? Chad, you is watched this a route, the Phillies. Or is this a I great... don't think it's a route. No, it's okay. not a route. The Phillies, I said it after they won. They came from behind and won game one of that wild card series in St. Louis. That I'm circling the Phillies as, boy, this is the team when you really look up and down that roster and see that payroll that they could get hot at the right time. Bryce Harper, And man. win a World Series. And that's where they are right now. Kyle Schwarber. I mean, that lineup is really good. And they're hot. Yes. I mean, I, I don't know what this time off does, but they're both hot. Yeah. I, I saw that I was watching uh, one of these games over the weekend against San Diego and Gene Segura for the Phillies. Uh, it was, I think, John Smoltz. They had a stat that Segura had not swung and missed 
at a breaking ball in the strike zone all season. And Smoltz was saying, I don't know who watches this, but I'm calling BS on that. There's no it's way. It's not possible. They Say said that one more not, time for He me. had not swung and missed at any pitch all season on a breaking ball that was a strike. So if it was a breaking ball in the zone, he never swung and missed. How many did he one take, time I wonder? All season. Nobody could be that disciplined. Well, then he gets a hit on a breaking pitch right after that. <laughs> he said that. But it was John Smoltz who said, That's amazing. I don't know who's watching that, but I, there's no way. Uh, he said, as a guy who pitched for a long time, there is no way that over the course of a 162-game season, he didn't swing and miss at one that was a strike. That's an That's incredible outrageous. stuff. I, I mean, I think both of these teams are, are excellent. I mean, the Phillies are more excellent in that they're peaking at the right time. The Astros are just built for this. I hate the Astros with absolute venomous passion. Um, by the way, just back to the Yankees for a second, because I don't know if you guys heard this. This is the most ridiculous thing, and this is the, the most fireable offense that Aaron Boone has committed. He had David Ortiz FaceTime in, and they used Boston Red Sox clips from coming back from 3 nothing from 3 nothing Against them. Against them. Your arch rival you're using as motivation to tell you you can come back from 3-0 down. That's pathetic. Johnny Damon uh, wow. tweeted. I saw. He yeah, said, "Hey, that's it's fun. Been, it's been done before." But Johnny he Damon, said, hey, Yankees fans, three zero. It's happened before. Right. Just and to he let was you know. also a Yankee yeah. after after that. Right. David Ortiz, you should hate as much as you hate the Astros more than you hate the Astros. This is a this is an overriding problem though with this generation. Yeah, these kids don't even know who David athlete. Ortiz is or well, who they, he played they for. They, they don't, don't know, care. but they just don't care who he played for. This I, is I, Aaron Boone should care. This is the Jersey Swap era. We need more hatred. Aaron Boone should care. We need we need to bring the hate back into sports. That's outrageous. <laughs> That's outrageous. Bring the hate back to sports. Outrageous. I agree. Does anyone even hate Bryce Harper anymore? I do. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to love him Someone for the does. next uh, seven games, Hutton. Oh, man. We rip saving in his weakest moment next.